Let's talk about Mile High Shooting. If you go to milehighshooting.com and order online right now, anything you get is 5% off. Just sign up, click the button, and you're done. Go to the website, and you're going to see right off the bat Zeiss LRP S5. I've been playing with my S5, and I like it. And I also like the S3. They are kicking ass. We're going to be talking about those guys soon. But other things they carry... Well, they only carry good stuff. So they've got AI rifles, AI mags, AI barrels, AI accessories, spur mounts, spur rings. They've got really right stuff, Lapua, Night Force. You can get an ATX outfitted the way that you want it to. And then they've got boatloads of ammunition. They've got boatloads of bullets and powders, as well as every other thing that you could possibly imagine for long-range shooting. I think that they are the ultimate one-stop shop for anybody that listens to this podcast. So hit them up, tell them that the Straight Dope sent you, and you won't be disappointed. They're my local gun shop. They support matches. They support shooters. They're good people, and they can ship all over the country. So whatever it is that you need, they can provide it. Check them out. Get back to the range. What what are trusts when it comes to firearms and and things like suppressors, and, and what do they what do they encompass? What like what is a trust? So so the trust process was designed because uh, people wanted the ability to basically put items in. I mean, originally it was thought of as kind of an estate planning process, and it can be, um, but now we look at it a little bit differently. So. Uh, what is a trust? Um, I think it's better to, to to talk about not just what it is. It, I mean, it's a it's a state recognized um, pool, okay? That you can basically um, put your 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 suppressors or sort barrel rifles or anything under the NFA in there. So, uh, well, you can put anything you really want in there. But again, when we talk about NFA trust in particular, now most attorneys will tell you, let's try to keep the 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 extraneous stuff out of the trust and let's keep that trust focused on, on NFA items. So a trust is, is, is a legal tool for you to basically allow a transfer of a NFA item into your personal possession or into the trust possession, should I say, and allow use and control and so on and so forth for it. Um, so, I mean, particularly the type of trust that we look at are these things that we call living trusts or intervivalist trust, however you want to put it. Or revocable trust is probably a more common thing across all states, but revocable trust and all that type of stuff basically means that the person creating the trust is still alive and the trust can be modified in certain aspects, depending on state laws and so on and so forth, to basically suit the user's needs or the trust's needs. And the the trust carries with it a lot of benefits, basically. But as a tool, it's kind of like, call it, I always call it... Um, you know, everybody has their little compartmental uh, compartments of where they like to put things. A trust is a compartment for where you can put your firearms. So, um, and it has, it's it's a great legal tool. It's governed by a different code, the Trust and States Code uh, uh, in, in, in Texas. But um, trusts basically allow you to add or move trustees, do all sorts of different things that would make the management of a particular NFA item easier and more and more easily controllable by the end user, right? So that's what I would call a trust, but it's it's an estate planning tool as well. 
Gotcha. Because it's state, like what happens if, if you decide, and I, I imagine you never will, but let's say you move to California and you made your trust in Texas. How is that handled? So <clears throat> you can create it. So in the trust, we have what they call CITUS, or S-I-T-U-S, the CITUS of the trust, where the trust is created, where the trust is managed and so on and so forth. Um, the CITUS of the trust establishes where it's supposed to be, where the laws are supposed to be. Now, what governs the trust may not be what governs a firearm or, or the or the item. Okay, so you go to California. There's all sorts of goofy rules. Okay, um, I'm not going to get into too many of those things, but let's just say everything is forbidden for one reason or another. And if you turn it the wrong way, or if you hold a suppressor a certain way, let's just be facetious about it. You're not allowed to have it all of a sudden, right? So. If I take your example and I move from Texas, let's say I live in Texas today and I create a trust and I put firearms in that trust, I would have trustees and such that I'd probably have in Texas. If I move to California, I can't move those items to California without going through the proper paperwork. I can't simply carry an SBR from Texas to California. Um, and simply moving the side of the trust doesn't allow you to do that necessarily either because California has specific rules governing those items. But... What I can say is, is let's say, and this happens a lot with uh, military families and so on and so forth, but let's say you have a home state like Texas and you join the military and your family has a couple of suppressors and you put them in the trust and you, your dad and your brother are all on it. And there's no rules or anything saying you can't have it, but you're the, you're the, you're the settler of that trust. You're the creator of that trust. You can go in the military. You can go to New York. You can go wherever you're being deployed. You can go whatever base you have to go to. And those items can stay in the trust with those people with you in Texas. And it'd be totally fine. You can come to Texas and you as a trustee on that trust can still use the items. And um, that's one of those things. Now you as an individual, you know, you can't leave. If you transfer an item to you as an individual under a standard form four, you can't leave your item with somebody. Um, that's not an FFL. You can't turn it in for gunsmithing or you can turn it in for gunsmithing and stuff like that, but you can't leave it with your buddy or your friend or your brother or your father. You can't leave that item there because that item is specifically under you individually. And if you leave that item will stay with you. And then if you leave it with somebody else, they would have otherwise constructive possession. I can go into different ways that you can avoid that, like a safe that nobody else has a combo to and all sorts of different goofy stuff. But, um, there, there are rules that we can look at, and that, again, goes to that annoying word, constructive possession. But it is a real thing, and it is something that we do interpret under law. So um, to, 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 to go back to answering your question, the situs of the trust allows you that, that flexibility, that modularity. If you were to move from state to state, as long as you have somebody who's on your trust still in the state that you put the item in the trust. It, so... So when would somebody, um, before, before, uh, because there's, there's a lot of ways to, to get them, like if somebody was trying to decide, you know, I don't know if I want to just get an individual stamp or set up a trust, what are some good reasons to go one way and good reasons to go the other? When in doubt, my opinion is to go with a trust. Um, the most simple thing I can tell you is all that modularity I was talking about adding, removing trustees and things like that um, plays a major factor into to that decision. So um, the other part about it is, is that with respect to a trust, you get kind of the flexibility of, of, of having a, a 
essentially putting your items into a corporation because a lot of people don't know that. You can actually have a company and you can put your items into the company. The problem is, is companies are governed by a different code in Texas, like the TDOC, Texas Business Organization, Organizations Code. But there are certain filing requirements and things that people just don't want to deal with. And if you accidentally forget to file or your 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 company becomes defunct or something like that for any reason, there you have to go through a whole bunch of hassle to, to transfer it out of the company or get the company back in good standing. Likewise, on an individual side, you lose all the flexibility of being able to have a friend use your item or anything like that. You have so many more constructive possession issues that come about. So with a trust, it provides that flexibility. So when in doubt, absolutely go with a trust. Um, it, it protects the item, it protects you, and it allows you to even, you know, afford that flexibility if something were to happen to you. And let's say you have kids that are not of age that are considered to be your beneficiaries or so on and so forth in the trust. The trust has certain flexibility where you can have a, a trustee hold on to the items until that child turns 18 or 21, whichever, you know, some, again, some state rules have certain things about get, uh, people under the age of 21 possessing, I don't want to say kids, that's not the right word. But um, in that instance, a trust would allow you the flexibility uh, rather than trying to keep an estate or a probate open and passing it from an individual to an individual, trust provides you that, again, that flexibility. And again, you can amend the trust. You can add trustees in the future, okay? Uh -huh. uh, you can remove trustees if necessary. You can do all sorts of different things. You can limit trustees' powers. And those are all the people that can, that can otherwise use the items. So you can say trustees can't store the item. Trustees can only possess the item for 12 hours at a time. All sorts of rules that you can do to, to manage the item so you can you can keep better control of your NFA items. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so when, when it comes to getting these, how complicated are there? I know there's ways to do it uh, online. Well, I, so I, I will tell you this. When you talk about getting a trust, uh, in most states, it is not illegal. It, 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 I don't want to say again illegal. It is not against the rules of a practicing uh, of a bar or being a, a licensed attorney. Um, you can be an individual and still create a living trust. Uh, a trust is is basically the word, I'm going to use the word entrust, but I hate using words that are part of the word to define a word. But I can entrust, for example, Chris, if you're next to me, right? I can entrust an item to you. I can say, hey, take this $10, hold on to it for a week and hand it to Frank, right? Mm -hmm. And if I say something like that, I've essentially created a trust or I've entrusted something to you. Now, if I put that in writing and I give you expressed instructions and I get it notarized, that's basically a trust. And so they're not going to govern that only a lawyer can create a trust and a living trust or a revocable trust. Now, that being said, you can go to forms and all sorts of things. Now, as a lawyer, I can tell you all the horror stories attached with people going to Rocket Lawyer or LegalZoom or something like that. Not to say that those don't have their place, but if you're trying to do something a little bit more complicated or a little bit more advanced, these forms that you get online can be a make or break for you, right? Uh, I think Silencer Co. is a good example of that. They have they have trust. They work. They get approved. There's no doubt about that. But they have the one-shot trust, and then they have their more complicated trust and all sorts of different things. I don't know if that necessarily bodes well for people in the long run. I've said I've had people put, you know, four different items in four different one shot trusts. I've had people put four items into one of their main trusts. I have had people modify their trusts. 
And there's no rule or, or problem against that. The, the problem is, is if they want certain things to happen to their items upon death or uh, they want to add or remove trustees or things like that, Silencer Co. tries to make it as easy as possible, but controlling powers and possession and so on and so forth becomes a bigger and more daunting task with a canned trust versus going to a lawyer. You pay something somewhere between about $150 to $300, depending on you know the lawyer and the expertise. And you could basically gain a whole lot of flexibility with very little money applied to it over a long period of time. So I always tell people trust is kind of an investment. So um, that's that's why I say be careful with a can trusts with these things. Um, there's all sorts of things. We have this thing called rules against perpetuities. If you want an interesting read, go look up Disney and the rules against perpetuities. But we call it a wrap analysis. But basically, it says a trust can't act in perpetuity. And there's certain limitation on a trust. And some people have trusts that don't address rules against perpetuities. And there can be interpretations of things that go wrong with that. You know, uh, one of my personal things about trusts is can trust that don't mentions uh, that don't mention when a trust is supposed to expire or, or disseminate the items. You can cause issues because trusts are designed to be multi-generational. And with firearms, you don't necessarily want it to carry multi-generational uh, implications because you may have an item. And if, let's say I have items, I want to pass it to my kid and my kid wants to pass it to his kid and so on and so forth. It should come out of my trust into my kid's trust and out of my kid's trust into his kid's trust and my grandkid's trust and so on and so forth. If you don't make those, if you don't make those mandatory, you don't make those happen. What can happen is my grandkid can have an argument with my other grandkid and they could get in a whole hoopla and then they're going to have to litigate a trust that was formed when their grandpa did it. And there's just not enough value in those NFA items, barring machine guns and stuff like that. We know there's a lot of value in that, but typical suppressors, the more, the more average things like that. There's not enough value to have the kids fight over that stuff. And the one of the dumbest things I've always found, and this may be an unpopular opinion, but I don't want people fighting over heirlooms. Right? Yeah. So the thing is, is if I'm handling the suppressor that I killed my greatest, uh, I went on a predator hunt and killed the this awesome mountain lion or something like that, and my, my kid A wants to keep it and kid B wants to keep it, I don't want them fighting over my trust for it. So again, you you list where they go and be done with it. Seriously, just be done with it. Don't try to make it something yeah. it's not supposed to be. That's my biggest thing. And that's what a lot of these can trust do. They try to promise certain things or make things that they're not supposed to be. And it creates bigger issues because we always talk about in probate, wills, trusts, and so on and so forth. You don't litigate it while I'm still alive. You litigate it after the original intent of the trust of, of, of the creator of the trust is long gone and people start arguing about that type of stuff. And you just don't want yeah. to have issues. Right, right, right. And, and and then another upside I'm gonna guess is that if I come to you and I get a trust, um, you know, the fee that I paid, you, you're also able to modify it down the road and and rather than, oh, I created this thing myself and now I want to change it, but I don't know how or I can't, or it's now I gotta pay you anyway to do that for me. And it could become very expensive down the road anyway by having to hire legal help to to untangle a mess that you made by accident. 
Well, it's, it's always the thing like, like you can either, I always tell people this, and this is just general in law practice. You can either try it yourself. It, it's kind of like the, the old age old, uh, I'm going to fix my own house. I'm going to be a handyman in my own house. You can yeah. attempt to do your own plumbing and it might come out great. Or you could spring a leak, blow a pipe, something like that, not be up to code. You flood your house. Now you got to do a whole bunch of other stuff. And then you still have to pay a plumber to come fix your problem. That's kind of how I look at a, at, a, at a trust in that manner. You can either get a licensed attorney to actually do it properly the first time around or provide that flexibility. And then the, there's benefits that carry with it. I know what my trust says, depending on what date it was drafted and so on and so forth. We keep records of that. And the other benefit that my trustees get or my uh, my uh, my clients get is, is that I generally, uh, from time to time, and I don't do it a whole often, but maybe once a year, once every two years or something like that, if there's a huge major change in the trust rules or anything like that, like 41P or 41F, whatever you want to call it, where the ATF started doing fingerprints, passport photos, and things like that, I send out a bulletin. So those that aren't paying attention to the world um, at least get some sort of idea of, of the changes that are going to affect them. So... The lawyers should be, I mean, it's not required for lawyers to do that. We do that as a, just a general course. And, you know, it's good for business. Um, but again, please, please, please just know what you're getting. And if, again, if I know what my trust says, it's twice, it, it's very easy for me to modify. If I don't know what your trust says, I got to review it. That takes time, money, and effort. And I have to bill you hours for it. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So, uh, you just mentioned kind of briefly like fingerprints and stuff like that. Like what, what do you need to get a, get a trust set up? So after 41 F, so those of you that have trusts and I always forget the date, but it was like June or July, something, whatever day it was dating back to like 2014, 15, 16. I always forget. It all comes together in a big mush now. Actually, I want to say it's 16 if I remember correctly, but let's say you have a trust thereafter. All trusts should be updated from that day forward and whether you have a trust that was dated back to like 1980s or 1950s or whatever whoever might still be alive at the time they created that trust and it's still revocable or you have a new one if any trustee is on the trust um that trustee or anybody who's going to be somebody who can have possession or be a trustee in that the atf is going to require you to have fingerprints fingerprints (laughs) fingerprints passport photos and a, a responsible party form that they require you to fill out. I always forget what it is. It's like a 53 dot something, something, something form number that they always give these federal forms. And you're going to fill this thing out and you have to send each and every trustee has to send in fingerprint, passport photos and everything like that when they submit for a new item. So if I buy a suppressor today and I have more than one trustee on it, let's say person A and person B along with myself, I would have to submit fingerprints, passport photos, and a responsible party form, as well as person A and person B would have to do the same thing as well. That's where a silencer code kiosk comes in to help. You know, in my opinion, you can store fingerprints, passport photos, and things like that, but there are other ways to do it. You can get multiple fingerprints done at one time. You can get multiple passport photos done at one time and so on and so forth and still submit them by paper on your own. Um, But like I said, um, you do need fingerprints and passport photos for every trustee that's on your trust at the time you make application and you can't modify your trustees as long as something's in the pipeline. But uh, that's one of those things. Um, the, the one thing that I'll say that's a big loophole for trusts 
is the general accepted practice and the frequently asked questions on the ATF both support this. But if you have a trust and let's say I submit for an item, okay, a suppressor, suppressor A. And once I submit for that item, I could be the only one on the trust as a trustee. Once that item comes back, I take possession of the item. Form four has been approved. I have my tax stamp. I take a 4473, fill it out with my FFL. I get it and I have this item. Once I have that item, I can add you, Chris. I can add anybody else I want onto the trust. And you don't have to submit fingerprints, passport photos, or anything like that to be on my trust to use the item. Now, in the future, if you're on my trust at the time I submit for, let's say, suppressor B, then you have to submit fingerprints, passport photos, and things at that time. So, Oh, interesting. interesting. Yeah, there's all sorts of goofy loopholes. So the loophole they were trying to plug, they didn't plug that loophole. And uh, the ATF knows it. And, and you know, that, that again goes to show you it's either a money or a power grab. Because could you imagine how many, how, how that could be abused? I could be a person that submits for a suppressor. And then if the ATF said every time you add a trustee, you have to send in notice with fingerprints, passport photos, because the whole purpose of that is for them to do a background check. So could you imagine how easily people could bog down the background check system? I could just do this. I'm going to add you, Chris, once I get my item back, after they've already done background check on me, now they're going to do a new background check on you. Then I can remove you the next day. And then they don't do anything. And then I could add you again the following day. And then they would have to do another background check on you. And the way the tax stamp rules are, is they would have to keep doing those background checks, but the stamp never changes, so you don't have to pay another $200. The government doesn't make any money. They have an, an inexorbitant cost associated with everything they have to do then. So it really comes down to cost-benefit at that point for them. So I think it was a conscious decision under the, under the regulatory scheme to not require trustees to be added after a trust has been approved or uh, an item has been approved for a trust until a new item's formed because they assume that you're going to send another item in at one point or another. Mm -hmm. So there's just few rules like that. Yeah, but you know everything ends up being a hassle if you if you don't know what's coming. So so that's good to know that you need to do the same passport, photo, fingerprints, fill out a form, and adding adding folks. Like the the only other thing, like you mentioned, a corporation. This probably has. I mean, it definitely has nothing to do with anything. But um, for some reason, like the idea of like us being able to use the same suppressor. Can't you do that with an FFL too? Yeah. I mean, you can do that with, um, so you can do that with a corporation without an FFL officers of a corporation that are in the corporation at the time would have to submit the same fingerprints, passport photos under the rules. So let's say I have ABC company, right. And I have a suppressor in there and you and me are both officers. You're a, you're, you're going to be authorized to use the item in the, in the company. Um, now, uh, FFL is a little bit different story because you have registered, uh, you have people, they, they, they actually say in the, and I forgot what the rules is exactly, but I could look it up for you. But there's a specifically frequent asked questions in the regulation, uh, regulations for FFLs. If you're, a, if you're in an FFL and you're a bona fide employee, and that's the terminology they use, a bona fide employee, then you should have the ability to possess, use, and whatever with uh, an, an, an NFA item or a controlled item. 
Because let's say you have to go to a demonstration. They're not going to say the owner has to go to the demonstration every time. That doesn't make any sense. It's not logical. It's not practical. Um, Right, right. So, and then they, of course, also have responsible parties. And depending on the ATF agent you cross, some of them will say, well, you can only do that if you're a responsible party. Or anybody who's going to have to be doing that is going to be a responsible party. But generally speaking, the only people that have to be responsible parties are people who have greater than an X number of ownership in a in a company and or and or are part of the FFL or on the FFL themselves. They can they can be registered. Uh, uh, what do you call it? The responsible parties. Um, everybody else. Yeah, I, I guess mean, the, you're not going to have anybody on the win. Right, right. No, I only ask that because, you know, you brought up us getting on a similar trust and thinking like, well, I guess whatever your intention or application is going to be could could be why you would choose one over the other. And, and, and obviously the trust being an estate thing, that makes a lot of sense. But 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 a corporation and a FFL, it makes sense if you're a actual dealer or manufacturer or something. But um, yeah, that's when the FFL you know, people really like applies. Yeah. So and there's um, all the hassles with being inspected and 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 all that stuff. But 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 this stuff is interesting because uh, not, you know none of this is something that I think too much about. But but it's always associated. It's always in the community. You're always reading about it, hearing about it. And and I am a perfect example of man. There's so many things I love about the firearms world and marksmanship, but I would absolutely ignore some things. And having somebody like you email me a reminder, hey, we got to get this up to date. Because if I didn't, I would I would overlook it because I'm not I'm not the kind of person that's going to leave through every change of things that isn't directly associated. I mean, that is directly associated, but I know for sure I would, you know, shoot when my car registration runs out. If they didn't email me the new one, I would I wouldn't remember to look when my registration runs out. If you look at just the number of people who forget to renew their driver's license, mm-hmm. like, come on, this, this this continuous filing of paperwork is difficult for people to keep up with, right? Hey, I wanted to talk to you guys about a partner, and that partner is Cobalt Kinetics. If you go to Cobalt Kinetics and look, they have got precision and competition carbines, and I want you to look through their offerings. They are the carbine that I've been competing with for the last couple of years. And every competition that I've gone to with their 223 that I compete with, I've left with a trophy, every single one, which I think is pretty impressive. So an affordable, well-built, well-designed gas gun. And I can tell you that it has worked for me and it doesn't break the bank. I'm going to have more to say about them as they have products rolling out. But I wanted to start off with that so that you understand that I have intimate experience with their systems and their systems perform at a level that can win trophies. So check them out, Cobalt Kinetics. And the only types of places that keep you up to date on your stuff and, and new cards, new this, new that, are financial institutions. Think credit cards. They never forget to give you a good credit card when your other one's about to expire, right? Right. Because there's a monetary attachment to it. And and that's really what it comes down to. And I don't have a problem with that. I'm just, it's it's the reality of the matter. And 
and again, it goes to, so I always tell people this, a lot of people tell me, well, I, I do a lot of firearms and I kind of want to do this as a hobby and I kind of want to sell some guns on the side and do this and that. Just know there's a lot of hassles that come with a firearm and uh, with a, with an FFL and any FFL owner will tell you that, especially if they've been through their first inspection. Um, and and it, it's just, it's a terrible lot to keep up with bound book, all that type of stuff. I, I just, I don't encourage it unless you are in the business. It's just a bad idea in general. Um, I, I mean, I can tell you, I, 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 you, you know, you shot competitions with me. I, you know, I win guns. I have guns transferred to me all the time. Uh, you know, I test guns. I work with certain manufacturers, you know, I, I'm sponsored by other manufacturers, uh, on certain things and components and so on and so forth. So when we shoot competitively speaking, I mean, they want a place to send it to. It's actually easier just to send it to an FFL. The 20 bucks or 50 bucks or whatever you pay to have that transferred to you is a lot easier than the pain in the butt it's going to be when they're there for a three-day inspection for your bound book. For sure, for sure. Yeah. And those people who but, want to do home FFLs, don't be naive. Guess where they go to go do the inspection? If, you're inspection. if your location for your FFL is your house, guess what? The ATS marching into your home. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought about that a couple of years ago, and I thought, well, you know, I saw something out there, and I thought, man, that would be pretty cool. And then, and then I thought a little bit more about it, and like, man, that wouldn't be really cool. I travel a lot, I have kids, I get, you know, often away for for long chunks of time, and this wouldn't be a good option for me. Yeah, um, it, it's not great, and you're also supposed to set like set business hours for the FFL and they can come up anytime during your set of business hours. You do that in your FFL. And, and keep in mind, if you're doing this for suppressors and things like that, the FFL is one part of it, but you need to get a, 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 a class two, which is your SOT. Okay. Special occupational tax stamp. Uh, uh, so with respect to your SOT, that's how you actually get to, to deal with suppressors and SBRs and things like that. So don't think just going to go to an FFL is enough, you know, in order to deal with the other stuff, which most people have an SOT An SOT is a separate fee. It's a separate application. It's a pain in the rear. It's a different, it's just the, the, the red tape, they make them jump through. I, I don't, I wouldn't say I disagree with it, but I definitely say they overcomplicate the matter way more than they should. Hmm. But you know, I, I don't want to deviate too much, but I mean, since we talk about corporations, I did want to cover that. Like you, like you mentioned, the the one thing I do want to tell people is is a lot of people ask me, "Hey, can I use my NFA trust as a uh, as an avenue for my estate planning?" The answer is unequivocally no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't do that because the whole point of separating all your NFAS stuff is because it takes time to do transfers. There's rules. It's ever fluctuating and things of that nature. Don't try to combine things like your bank accounts, your house, your ranch, all that stuff. Don't try to do that along with your NFA stuff. You don't want stuff to get gobbled up in, in different types of litigation over NFA stuff. You don't want, you don't want it. What happens if you can't find an item that's in a trust, right? You don't want all that stuff coming up. Just avoid the hassle, get two trusts, get one for your family planning and your estate planning and things like that, and get one for your fun stuff. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and, I, and I wouldn't have even thought about that until, yeah, you, you hear story horror stories about families fighting over everything else, and then that's stuck in it, 
and nobody cares about that really, but nevertheless. But that's the stuff of the regulation, you know? Yeah, right. You can simply pass a title on a house, you know, I write a special warranty deed. Here you go. I can give it to my kid, right? Next thing he knows, he owns my house. But when it comes to an FAI item, I can't do that. I've got to do a form five, non-tax tax retransfer. I've got to wait the requisite amount of time. It's got to submit fingerprints, passport photos, and all that stuff. All that stuff takes time. It's easier to transfer a house or ranch or a car for that matter than it is to do a gun. Really is. And would 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 even some of those, I mean, uh, now I'm just kind of the good idea fairy, just thinking randomly. So I'm probably that's where you get dangerous, right? <laughs> You're like the good idea yeah. fairy. Like, yeah. Well, well, I, I guess what I was trying to imagine, like you know, this going terribly wrong. In that, let's say you know, um, you know, person X shoots and they're super into it, but their family's not into it, and their kids are not into it, and he puts everything in a trust, and you know, he dies or or whatever, and there's this gun safe or you know, they have access to all these suppressors and short barrel rifles, all these things that are regulated, but the family has no idea that they're regulated. They're not allowed to have them. And then something happens and, and it turns out, you know, they're in possession of this stuff that they didn't even realize. Uh, I'll, I'll give you the, I'll give you the short of it. Look, if you've had a death in your family and, and, I'm going to go on a limb here. Okay, I can't say every single uh, ATF agent is going to be this way, but in my experience, and I truly do believe this, especially with the majority of the agents that I've met, they are legitimately there to help. They want you to learn. They want you don't. They don't want you to go awry of the law. That's a lot of paperwork for them. They don't want any of that stuff. They want you to be completely okay. They want a routine inspection to be exactly that routine. So. Uh, with respect to trust and things like that, generally we haven't heard too much of people kicking down doors saying, oh, well, these items are in your possession, yada, 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 right? Um, but going to your specific example, if let's say my kids don't want my stuff, which I've done something horribly wrong as a parent at that point. Um, no, but, but check it out. Say, like, so this is what I imagine. Like, okay, let's say I, I, um, something happens to me. Right. And my mom's my mom's still alive. She's a, she's like a, a total hippie and, and she lives in California. And and I've got like, you know, four or five suppressors just sitting along the wall. She has no idea what they are. Right. And she's, you know, and, and, and all the all the shit that's happening. She's like, oh, those look cool and they're decorative. So she throws them in her purse and flies home to California. <laughs> like and she gets stopped at the airport. And now she's in possession of these things that she thought were like shot glasses or, or who the, who the hell knows what she would think they were. But, but I know, I I think she would think like, Oh, those look pretty neat. I'm going to put them, you know, on my windowsill in California. And all of a sudden she's in a sticky situation. Um, Yeah. She's beyond a sticky situation at that point. Um, Right. 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 Like, Oh, these would be cool. Like plant little planters for, 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 you know, my, my kitchen spices and, and all this stuff and, 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 and not realizing that she was, you know, taking these, these objects. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I understand that, that, you know, right at, at, at an estate, something or other, but I could also see a, a family member just being like, Oh yeah, those look really neat. I think I'm going to plant I, oregano in them. I, I'll say this. I'll say this. I, I understand the, the premise of that scenario, and I can't say it won't happen, 
But what I'll generally say is this, um, you know, in your particular scenario, she'd be in a lot of hot water and being in a lot. Of, and unfortunately, ignorance of the laws are not is not a defense. Now, you know, lack of intent or mens re is is to an extent in certain counts a a, a defense. But I don't believe it is to that. Um, I will say that. Most people, if there was to be a death or something in the family and there were to be some sort of administration of, of assets uh, as a part of a will, probate trust, something like that in that process, um, they would have contacted an attorney. And the attorney, and we see this all the time in our, in our listservs or in our, in our even Facebook groups, there's, there's requests from uh, probate attorneys who had no idea about guns or any, anything of the sort they'll they'll find out that um, a decedent and, and the decedent's wife or heirs, whoever's controlling their estate comes to them and says, look, I got all this stuff and I, I don't know what it is or something like that. I mean, generally speaking, as a, a you know, your items are going to be around the guns, I'm assuming. And if that's the case, they're probably going to take a second look at them. And the lawyer will seek somebody like me, for example, and I've helped quite a few attorneys here in this area. Uh, who've asked questions and they'll see somebody like me and I'll, I'll tell them, Hey, look, um, that is an NFA item. You're not supposed to take possession of that. You know, um, what we can do is, is we can, uh, we can start the transfer process or we can see who the trustee is, or we can do something to that effect and make sure those items are in the possession of somewhere they're supposed to be an FFL, something like that, that can hold them for gunsmithing until such time that you can disseminate the items appropriately according to the law. So that's how that would generally go. Um, as a general course, I've seen plenty of people carry stuff across state lines they're not supposed to. And as a general court, as a general me method, the ATF isn't just perusing people, like stopping people like the Gestapo saying, hey, look, you're not supposed to have that. Right. So, I mean, that doesn't come up as, as really ever. One of my big projects and goals is to experiment play with and compete in the air gun phenomena that seems to be coming out but has been around for a long time utah air guns is at the center of that they bring in high-end specialty air gun components they bring in rifle components and they custom build people high performance air rifles air guns uh, often are divisions or used in like rimfire type competitions, but they also have standalone competitions. I believe that when it comes to training, certain elements of all rifle shooting that have to do with fundamentals, the air rifle is the ultimate system to do that. So I'm going to be having podcasts and discussions and data unfolding about the use and benefits of air rifles for those specific components and also discuss how they might not help with other components, right? Which makes sense. If you're going to shoot a 338, your rifle may help with some of that and it might not help with other parts. But I think that Utah Air Rifles is leading the charge. And so I have ordered an air rifle to have in our classes for craft studies, for measurements, and for data. And I want to encourage you guys to look into their systems and reach out to Utah Air Guns. Follow them on Instagram and follow us 
it will not only be on this podcast, but also on Sniper's Hide. There's a new air gun section, an entire section devoted to air rifles and what people are doing and unfolding so that we can kind of hive mind and source data and then send you back to a shop that can put together a system for you that performs at the level that you need it to perform at, period. So until I have more to say, uh, go check them out and hit up Sniper's Hide, check out the thread, and stay tuned for episodes revolving around or including data from the rifles that the guys at Utah Air Guns put together for us.